Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, that may be something that KPS could theoretically bring to the table and all of a sudden you've got a, a new place in the world that manufactures one of the biggest sellers of golf equipment. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at GolfUnfiltered. Send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. Listeners, obviously, if you've been following golf equipment news over the last couple of weeks, one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story, is the sale of TaylorMade Golf to an independent equity firm. And there's nobody else that I could think of better to have this conversation about the TaylorMade sale than Mr. Uh, Mike Statura from GolfDigest.com. And Mike joins us again today, uh, the second time appearing on the podcast. Mike, welcome back. Thanks. Uh, is, is it a, a gold watch that I get for the second appearance <laughs> or, uh, or uh, a steak dinner at, at uh, local uh, TGI Fridays. You know, I think we got to wait until the fourth time for the steak dinner, but I'll uh, I'll shoot you over uh, a nice pen that I have on my desk, and uh, you can you can use that whenever you write your next article. Fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of articles, Mike um, and listeners obviously know who you are, and they follow you very closely on with all the work that you do on the equipment side of things on Golf Digest. But uh, you recently wrote a uh, reaction piece, I guess it's safe to say, about the TaylorMade sale in which you outline five major takeaways uh, that we could expect from this deal. But uh, first and foremost, Mike, before we get into that, when you heard of the official deal taking place, and I imagine that probably was before it was announced to many others, as news typically happens, um, what was your immediate reaction to uh, KPS, which is a independent equity firm, purchasing TaylorMade? Well, I mean, they, they weren't on the radar, so to speak, but it, if you sort of paid attention to uh, kind of business and sports transactions, you might have caught a glimpse of them. I think, honestly, the first reaction was relief because I think we've been watching this this uh, Adidas announcing the sale of TaylorMade and, and this whole process, which we thought probably would have resolved itself in you know three four months really dragged out for well over a year um but uh, but if you were watching kps there's a another sporting goods company called performance sports group which is bauer hockey and uh easton and maverick lacrosse and and kps was sort of lingering in the background of an auction for the for that company uh, and, you know, kind of stepped aside and actually didn't bid for it at the auction. Nobody actually did, uh, could match the, uh, 
the bank uh, price that was originally put up there. So KPS, I think, was interested in a sporting goods company. And I think uh, when it got right down to it, I think they liked the the numbers that Taylor made a lot better. Uh, mm-hmm. They got, uh, I think, a, a, a much better deal. And I think they got a much better product to to grow and and essentially make money for themselves and their investors which is what private equity firms do so i i think all all along we had heard different rumors about uh you know whether it was going to be foreign investment whether whether china was going to get involved uh mm-hmm. you know whether it was going to be just kind of this uh, a rogue uh you know millionaire billionaire which has happened in golf before uh, I don't think anybody thought that there was much of a chance of uh, uh, another sporting goods, you know, an Under Armour purchasing it, purchasing it. There were rumors that Bridgestone was eyeing it, and I think all of those were not really that close to 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 happening. So I think for the last six months, we thought it was definitely going to be a private equity situation. I think we are sort of surprised that it's KPS. Because they're not, you know, they're not the Bain Capitals or the Cerberus or, uh, you know, the usual KKR types that we mm-hmm. think uh, would have been in this uh, uh, in this conversation. But it seems, you know, in talking to the TaylorMade CEO David Abelis, seems to be that there were a lot of uh, uh, what I call emotional synergies between these these two organizations. So it. it has all the makings of a of a good match. It you're right on in what you said that this was kind of a, a name KPS that not many people uh, I wasn't aware of and I, and I think not many people were eyeballing them as you pointed out. Um, and you did have the chance to speak with this, uh, TaylorMade CEO David um, Abelis to kind of get additional information about all of this. But you know, Mike, one of the things that you point out in your article on GolfDigest.com uh, was whether or not this purchase was a steal and uh, the rumored uh, deal price or the rumored price of the acquisition was just under 425 million. Now to me and you, that sounds like a whole boatload of cash. And I'm sure to many of the listeners here uh, believe that as well, but uh, maybe go speak a little bit on that point. Uh, Does that seem a little cheap perhaps for uh, such a popular brand like TaylorMade? Well, I mean, there's no question it was a a uh, a good bargain for for KPS, and and you know the 425 million price is uh, certainly less than what what we were originally talking about. You know, it was certainly north of north of 700 million at some point. I mean, you're talking about a company that five years ago had close to 1.5 billion in sales um going and again you know those those numbers are a little uh overstated because those numbers include uh adidas footwear and apparel Mm. in there but right uh but you know you look at it it's it's really kps putting up 200 million in cash or maybe a little bit more than that and some of it is secured note as well and then there's contingent consideration in there so kps and 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 taylormade have some sort of earnings benchmarks that will trigger 
payments. So, I mean, it's a it's an interesting deal for KPS because I think, you know, given their usual uh, five to seven to 10 year window of uh, owning and operating a, a company, they will likely get uh, more out of this deal for sort of less uh, upfront money than maybe uh, you know, we would have thought. And, and certainly, uh, I think there was a lot of indication that Adidas was, you know, for whatever their logic, mm-hmm. they had clearly made the decision that golf did not fit in with their plans. And although they have said, you know, we wanted to get uh, a, a good price for it or, or, or whatever, if your main point of the discussion is we're not considering selling these things or it's not something we're thinking about, it's happening mm-hmm. with more of the tone. So I think, uh, you know, when they, when they got a number that they figured they, they could live with, they, they pressed the go button as quickly as they could. But uh, I think it's a great deal for KPS. I think uh, there are, there are some challenges, but uh, uh, you, this is not a, uh, uh, a floundering uh, company it is not a bankrupt company that they bought. This is, a, you know, clearly uh, one of the top three companies. And depending on how you look at it, one or two, number one or number two, sometimes mm-hmm. companies that they bought in golf. And I think that's there's really no indication that that's going to change. And so that's a tremendous opportunity to take advantage of. Uh, uh, a price that you you can you can live with and sort of invest on top of and maybe rapidly make back your investment. What's interesting about this specific buyer in KPS is something that you point out as well in your article about how they've basically purchased other companies, not in the golf space, but you know you've you've outlined a few in your article, such as. Um, you know, a, a, a brewery, you've outlined a few others, and then they turn around and they, and they, they sell it to another potential buyer. And you, uh, you suspect, or at least what you mentioned in the article, that this might be an option that KPS would go down in the future. Is that something that you still hold true at, to at this point? And is that something that perhaps others are, are mentioning in the, uh, in the market? Well, I, I mean, I, Let's remember, that's what private equity firms do, all right? They're not Mm, really in it for the long term. They're in it to, you know, make something more attractive and, you know, not necessarily, you know, it's not Richard Gere and Pretty Woman where they're pulling things (laughs) apart and selling it in pieces and they're the evil private equity firms. I mean, I think that's what one of the things that's really interesting about KPS is that they are – see themselves really as a manufacturing company in a lot of ways. And they really get in involved. A lot of the companies that they bought have been uh, companies that are heavily involved in uh, the manufacturing side as opposed to the, you know, the service industry or, or media companies or something like that. They're, they're working with companies that make things, you know, whether it's, uh, 
a, a brewery like Genesee, which became North American Beverage, and Magic Hat was in, involved in there and a bunch of craft beers and stuff like that, or something you know bigger like MCI, which is a uh, a bus company, a company that makes buses. Mm-hmm. You know, they took that company. Uh, you know, the basic EBITDA on that company when they got it was they were losing $12 million a year or 12, yeah, $12 million. And the EBITDA when they sold it was positive 79 million. So, I mean, they're there. And then this was again in a very short window, like three to five years. Uh, So they, they were involved in, in management. They were involved in manufacturing. They made deals with, with uh, Daimler AG to, to kind of, you know, bolster that that brand. They kept the factories and 1,500 workers working. Uh, so they're they're really a, uh, not a uh, the kind of investor that stands on the sidelines in terms of uh, uh, direction type mm-hmm. stuff. They're they're saying let's how can we figure out a way to make this manufacturing operation run a little smoothly. Now, let's be clear, TaylorMade's manufacturing is, I don't see it as a, as a problem. I think it's a unique, and, and all of golf ma- manufacturing is a unique challenge. And I, I don't know exactly what KPS will bring to um, the manufacturing part of TaylorMade because you know, unlike a bus company or a brewery, uh, TaylorMade doesn't, in essence, own the manufacturing of golf. It's golf facilities, right? It works right. With, with vendors in in uh, uh, China and Taiwan and uh, South Korea and and those places. So there there's some exclusivity, but there there are also in essence, vendors that are shared with some other manufacturers in golf. So it, it's a it, it's a little bit more uh, uh, a stickier proposition for KPS to say they're going to go in and fundamentally rework the the way golf clubs are manufactured. But I think uh, you know, again, in talking to David Abley at, at the TaylorMade CEO, he, he thinks. That is one of their strengths that that they will bring something to the manufacturing uh, operation of TaylorMade that will improve efficiencies, uh, maybe explore new arrangements that hadn't been considered. Mm-hmm. I think it's is it theoretically possible that golf clubs would be manufactured in a different place? You know, I, that may be something that KPS could theoretically bring to the table and all of a sudden you've got a, a new place in the world that uh, manufactures one of the biggest sellers of golf equipment. Again, that's not an easy, easy changeover, but uh, um, if, if KPS is trying to bring efficiencies, they have, I think currently under their management right now, they have 103 manufacturing facilities now none of them obviously are golf facilities but that that kind of uh portfolio suggests they 
manufacture different things from from engine parts to household furnishings to to thread so <laughs> it's a pretty broad based uh, universe that they're operating in you know who knows that a new set of eyes coming in and saying well why wouldn't you try this operation or 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 look at this factory uh, maybe that you know, if you've been doing the things the same way for forever, you lose the ability to see those things. And, and that's, I think, one of the things that KPS could bring to this. But I do think, bottom line, uh, I don't think KPS is going to be uh, owning TaylorMade, you know, for 20 years. In addition to those potential efficiency improvements, um, and I agree with with what you said about how you can obviously learn from one uh, industry to the next and then apply that and find redundancies that you can apply it to your own industry. Uh, But in addition to that, you write that perhaps TaylorMade also benefits from a renewed focus. And as anyone who's ever purchased equipment uh, on the golf side knows, TaylorMade's one of the major brands that has many different spinning plates that they have to keep spinning. They have iron sails, they have woods, they have balls, and I think uh, we've—it's no secret that you know a, comp- a competing company, Callaway Golf, is over is overcoming and and becoming a leader in at least two of those areas. With TaylorMade, as you point out in your article, uh, growing a little bit in the golf ball market. Uh, but what other types of focus would TaylorMade benefit from this, or what other benefits? Will TaylorMade see in addition to those improved efficiencies? Well, I think focus is, you know, there's another way to look at focus, and that is not being worried about the uncertainty of your situation. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, whether whether you're the CEO of uh, of TaylorMade or you're the third assistant engineer on uh, putter design, there was definitely some concern. Obviously, there have been uh, budget constraints and cost cutting and and, uh, layoffs and that sort of thing. Um, So I I think one element of focus is, okay, we're, we're really done with uh, you know, the sort of harsh cuts. I mean, if you look at what happened when Chip Brewer came to Callaway, you know, Callaway has really transformed itself under his leadership. But let's not forget that when he first got there, he had to do, do a lot of uh, messy things. He had to cut some things. He had to really refocus the direction of the company. Mm-hmm. But once they got the, you know, the messy stuff, done and and everybody in the building knew that okay we're done with that stuff they really started rock and roll and and i think you know there's no reason that TaylorMade would not be in the same situation i think they have some other challenges uh that that callaway did, did not have um in terms of uh tour spend and and uh that element, but uh, I think focus is, uh, you usually get a better sense of what 
you should be doing when somebody else looks at you and says what you should be doing than just <laughs> right. kind of sitting sitting in self-evaluating. Uh, and, and I think that's that's clearly uh, a strength of KPS is, is, hey, we own a lot of companies. We see how a lot of companies have run themselves into trouble or you know, not maximized shareholder value. We can, we can pick your place apart in a constructive way, maybe better than you can because you're too close to it. And so I think, you know, that said, again, talking to David Abley's, one of the things that KPS was uh, impressed with was, was kind of a two year business plan that, uh, Abley's has, has laid out. I think they're, you know, kind of in the first year of that or first 18 months of that. And, uh, you know, I think the big challenge for TaylorMade and everybody else in the golf industry is we need to sort of reverse a trend in, in, in where equipment sales are and we need to grow the the market in whatever way possible. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to make your company better and be responsible for lifting up the industry at the same time. But I think, you know, whether you're, whether you're Callaway or a Cushnet or, or, or TaylorMade that, that in a sense, and, and, and you can throw ping in there and Cobra as well, mm-hmm. That event is is the charge that you've been given is that you not only have to work hard to elevate your brand, you've got to figure out a way to make golfers and and quite honestly non golfers more excited about golf. It's it's hard to talk about any brand these days without mentioning what they spend on tour, and you alluded to that earlier. And of course anyone knows who follows TaylorMade that they've signed two of the biggest names in the game, Tiger Woods, uh, months ago, and most recently Rory McIlroy after, of course, Nike uh, Golf got out of the equipment business. Uh, how much of this is tied, how much of this deal is tied to those two contract signings? I imagine that there's a major implication for both of them or vice versa. Um, would this deal have happened, for instance, and I'm not sure if this is going on, going out on too far of a limb, if Tiger played more often, if people were uh, able to see him using their equipment more often, uh, w- does this deal change in any way? Uh, you know, it's, it, it does Taylor made become more valuable if Tiger Woods is a meaningful figure in the game mm-hmm. I mean, you could say yes but you have plenty of evidence to the contrary when you just look at his situation with nike i mean mm-hmm. over over the last preceding five years did having tiger woods you know let's not forget that he won a lot of events within the last five years it's been i know it feels like a hundred years ago but you know he was he was PGA Tour Player of the Year not too long ago, and and uh, it, it certainly didn't re or, or invigorate Nike enough to make them want to stay in the game. So you know the Tiger thing is is curious. I think 
you know, someone could look from the outside and say uh, the signing of Tiger Woods was a, another attempt to stoke the fires of making TaylorMade a more uh, intriguing purchase. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Abley says that they, that KPS has been, uh, part of the conversation for months. So if that's taking him at his word, you know, certainly KPS was aware of the Tiger Woods process and, and, and clearly aware of the Rory process. Did, do you feel that KPS had any um, any influence in that Rory signing? You know, I I can only guess. You know, the way you have to look at it is, assuming they've been having conversations for months, and if KPS said, you know, if you are really going to go ahead with this Rory signing. We're not interested in this purchase anymore. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it theoretically possible that Taylor may would have backed out of the Rory situation? I think that's fair to fair to conjecture. I think it's also fair to say if KPS and Taylor made were having conversation for months and the Rory thing was clearly something that was being you know, even if it was just talked about by TaylorMade, not necessarily uh, asking for KPS's permission. The fact that KPS was aware of it, and and by my reporting with uh, and talking to David Abley's was very much uh, impressed that they were able to get Rory McIlroy to to uh, essentially switch mid-season to their clubs. I think it, it helped, and they they endorsed it. Now, once they get into the weeds of of having Rory and Tiger and Sergio and Dustin Johnson and Jason Day and John Rahm, Justin Rose, uh, you know, then I think then it becomes a, a little bit more of a complicated question, and they have to figure out how how that. Uh, how that dollar pool exists in a in a healthy way, and and then let's not forget the fact that there's a lot of other players that are being paid in some way, form or fashion, and that's not just on the PGA Tour. That's uh, in Europe and, and in Asia to some extent as well. So, you know, the the endorsement end of things is not an easy conversation i think obviously callaway feels like they had rory lined up and to to lose him is a big blow but i think it also is not the worst thing that can happen to to a brand because you know mm-hmm. now, now now rory's getting an mri every every month and a half so. right right that's true that's true. We might be talking about a, a different type of curse uh, before too long. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike, one of the things that uh, 
we're seeing a lot more often now in golf equipment, maybe not entirely too often, but it's certainly growing, is the idea of uh, the luxury side of a brand. And obviously there are some brands out there that cater specifically to a specific um, uh, group of golfers uh, at a certain you know level of wealth. Do we feel that other brands at this point, including TaylorMade, are moving towards that, and I know that we're hearing rumblings of other companies going down that path. Well, I mean, it's it's pretty clear that that segment of the audience is is a viable one to pursue. Obviously, PXG has been successful by most measures. I, you know, I don't know what the balance sheet looks like, but certainly they've had a a presence in the marketplace that is meaningful. You talk to the folks at, at uh, Cleveland Strixon, and they talk about Zexio with a lot of pride. That that that's a that's a pleasant surprise for their brand, and that's again a high end customer. Mm-hmm. Titleist introducing the C16 as an experiment a year ago, and sort of re-upping it. I mean, again, it's not a fundamental part of uh, Titleist business with the C16, but the fact that they essentially doubled their commitment in a second year shows that they think there's an audience there. There's a, there's a consumer worth going after. How big is that, that segment? And, and is it, you know, do you easily run out of those people because, you know, once they've made that purchase, they're not really going to make that purchase again. And, and we're not, uh, we're not hatching, uh, multimillionaires, uh, by the hundreds mm-hmm. these days in the U S economy, let alone most economies. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the luxury end of things is a serious consideration. I think, uh, other brands are, are looking at how, you know, in terms of pricing structure, we want to have a set of irons in the north of $2,000 range, just like we have a set of irons that, that's in the $1,200 range and a set of irons that's in the $800 range. Right. Uh, so yeah. I, I think, you know, if you have the capacity to do it and not distract you from the meat of your market. You know, I think TaylorMade is going to look at that. I, I, the big challenge is how, how you do that as a brand and not sort of diminish any of your products that are at a different price point. Now you can say, well, they're, they're completely different customers, but if it, if it says, uh, ABC golf on it and you've got a $1,200 set of irons and a $2,500 set of irons, the consumer is going to automatically think that the $1,200 set of irons with the same ABC golf name on it is somewhat less impressive. Mm -hmm. Technologically, cosmetically, whatever way. And, and how you deal with that, uh, that challenge in, in messaging is interesting. You know, that's why it's probably better if you think of it as a 
as a completely different brand and, and move it, move it away from ABC Golf and you call it you know X Y Z instead of you know linking the two. It's it's I don't know that it's it proved successful for companies that have set it aside as a different brand, right? Zexio is, right. is it's a reach for somebody to say, oh, is that Strixon? You know, okay. Mm-hmm. The the C16 Titleist thing is such a small thing that we're I'm not really sure about it. When you look at it, the innovations that they've had in say the driver line quickly migrated to their their main driver line in a lot of ways. So you didn't feel like you were giving up anything by buying a lower priced version, as it were. Uh, so it's it's I I think this luxury thing high-end brand has always existed in golf but it's it's been a a fringe player and and because of the uh oversized nature of of bob parsons character i think he's he's made it uh uh, a a real selling point he's become a, a figure that's actually i think bigger than the actual impact of his brand on the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have that, that sort of presence, then maybe you can uh, uh, make a go of it. But I think, again, in the case of TaylorMade, right, you want to get, you want to get the blocking and tackling right, exactly right, before you, you start doing other things. Right. And from KPS's perspective, you want to get, uh, get them back to a position where they're dominating sales like they should in KPS's eyes. But I will say KPS's strategy in other areas has been to bring in other acquisitions. And I think that's, that's probably going to happen in this case. That would make sense, especially if that's kind of their, their MO and what their typical next step is. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that's Mr. Mike Statura from GolfDigest.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Statura. And Mike, before I let you go, one final question for you: um, what, what, based on your reporting, based on the conversations you've had, what would you envision being the next step for TaylorMade? Is it for them to to work with KPS and those other um, uh, companies that KPS works with, or is there something else from the consumer standpoint that we can actually we will be able to notice as a result of this acquisition? I would say the first thing that a consumer is going to notice is what is going to happen with Adams and Ashworth. Hmm. Um, I, I think obviously consumers have a relationship with those two brands in some way or or, or another. Those two brands have have really faded and taken a back seat. Uh, I think, you know, it, it may not happen immediately. It may take uh, a year, 18 months, maybe two years, but at some point that's what the consumer is going to notice that either Adams and Ashworth are being sold separately or Adams and Ashworth are being refortified and, and presented in a new way and, and become a, uh, a legitimate part of the tailor-made operation as opposed to just a, you know, 2% part of the, the total tailor-made share. Uh, I think the, uh, the 
I think the greater likelihood is that KPS will try to figure out a way to make those those two brands, which still I think have value, to make those two brands relevant in some way. If if it's eighteen months, I think that's a fair fair number. Um, again, I don't think it's going to happen immediately, but I think that that's the first thing that consumers are going to really notice. The rest is just going to be tailor-made being tailor-made. Fair enough. And I like Adams Golf, actually. I hope they, they end up doing something with them. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, that's Mr. Mike Statura from GolfDigest.com. Mike, thank you so much, as always, for coming on the show. Thanks, Adam, anytime.